brain. I sometimes wish I was. That'd be a great thing to have the kind of brains that that guy has. He has a lot more neurons than many of us. Uh, we're looking at a, a series. Actually, it's a four-part series that I'm, I'm not going to be speaking next Sunday, so I'm going to put all four of them in today. And I'm sure you really appreciate this. You don't have any other place to be, do you? That's a good thing. We're looking at this topic of living between the already and the not yet, uh, which it may be a little confusing to you, but the already is stuff that's already happened in our past. And it shapes us, doesn't it, in a lot of ways. As you get older, you begin to live more in the already, what's happened, what's taken place in the past. Um, I think of uh, uh, the uh, way that we put letters behind our names, you know, that, that talk about our accomplishments. And some people have a long list of letters. And uh, you have a tendency to look back and say, I'm me because of those things. This is, this is good. This is really good. And as you get older and older and older, you begin to get stuck in the past. When you're young... You look at the not yet, and you're thinking, I'm headed that direction. That's where I'm going to go, and that's where I'm going to end up, and that's where I'm going to be. And what gets left out oftentimes, particularly in the church, with believers, with Christians, is this space in between. And it's not talked about a whole lot. We often talk about what has happened in your life. You, you became a believer you moved from uh, unbelief to belief. You moved from uh, a quasi-atheism to uh, thinking that maybe the Bible is really God's Word, and you, you made that transition, and you made that decision. And then we walk over here to the... And Jesus Christ is coming again, and you'll get to be with Him forever in eternity. All those things are true, and they're really good. But what goes on in between? And that's what we're going to talk about uh, this morning. There's a passage of Scripture that I'd like Kathy to put up. Uh, and it's a passage from uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. I, I think it's about verses 7 through 10 or so. So I, I'll read it, and then we'll comment on it just a little bit. I'd like for you to think about Jesus' life. And, of course, he had an already, as a human being, in flesh, incarnate on earth, he had the already what had taken place, and he had the not yet, trapped by time as he was in a human body. And he had a not yet in the future to come. But he lived a life for a bunch of years here as an example for each of us so that we would be able to live as he has lived. Well, let's look at this passage. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, and Paul's talking about himself there, and he's ta he has talked about a lot of things that have happened in his life. Uh, he had a list of credentials behind him. And he, he could have uh, based his whole life on those, and he did for a long period of time. And he was very threatening to uh, the Jewish community and, and because he was so learned, etc. And he was, then he became very threatening to the Christian community eventually and actually began to persecute them because they didn't agree with him. He said, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. 
Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And this is an interesting passage of Scripture to me. It's a little strange in some ways because it kind of says that weakness is a good thing and strength not so much. Hardly any of us through our whole life have searched out weakness. Most of the time, if you're going to have a successful marketing campaign, it's going to be an ad that says, stronger, better looking, more strength, courage, uh, all of those kinds of things. And all those things, of course, are, are good. Uh, but here, this passage says that uh, uh, weakness is, is pretty good. I'll, I'll boast about my weaknesses. And in, for what reason? Of course, so that Christ's power may rest on me or, or in me um, as well. And uh, why weaknesses? Um, the first thing that I'd like to call our attention to is weaknesses in your life and in my life are to protect you from you. Um, why would we need that? And of course, a, a, the reason that comes to me, foremost in my mind, is uh, that enemy called pride and arrogance, cockiness, uh, all those kinds of things that kind of puff us up and make us make us feel good about ourselves. I, I remember a, a number of years ago now the the self esteem movement in the U.S. and uh, teachers were taught in kindergarten and grade school and preschool uh, to say at least five good things about each student every day in the class, and uh, some kids had never heard anything like that. That's probably pretty good. But there was never a lot of teaching that I saw about glory in your weakness. You know, you've got these, you've got these incredible problems, whether they're physical or emotional. And uh, for some reason, those could be really good. You didn't hear that. As a matter of fact, we try to medicate that out of us, if we can. All of our physical ailments, we try to get rid of or replace nowadays. I've got a couple new knees, and uh, I, I like that. That's a, that, was a, that was a good thing. Um, I got tired of glorying in that weakness. Um, but nevertheless, we, we do those things in our culture, particularly. Actually, around the world, people are, are moved to excel, get better, move away from the status quo or wherever you are. And we have a tendency to want to, because of that, we have a tendency to want to hide our weaknesses, particularly weaknesses that we can't change. We just have to live with them. And we're not so sure everybody else wants to live with, with them. And so we hide them and, and push them back, etc. And Paul is an exception in, in Scripture because he, he says this kind of thing over and over. As a matter of fact, in Scripture we read... I, I read over a, a hundred passages in Scripture that have weak in them, weakness in them. And I noticed something interesting. It's when the people as a nation were weak, or when the individuals as a nation were weak, that God actually began to work. Not around them, or in spite of them, 
but actually in them. And that's a pretty interesting phenomenon to have Christ in you, working in you, perfusing you, uh, moving about in the person of his spirit inside inside lives, accomplishing the work that he wants to start, and the work that he wants to bring about, not only in your life, but in the people around you, in the world around us as well. So he wants to protect us from, from ourselves by leaving that weakness there. In other words, to keep us humble, these things are given to us. They're a gift. It's a grace from God. The whole thought of something that I've been trying to get rid of all my life, how could God possibly use that? Wouldn't he rather use... Well, let's see, what happened to Moses? He said, don't use me. I can't speak well. God said, I'm going to use you anyway. And maybe because you can't, that may be the very reason I'll use you. He's an example today of God using that kind of weakness in a life. It's preserved so that we can read it and see it. Uh, You remember my favorite story, Samson and Delilah. I was probably eight or ten, and I could have cared about Delilah at that point. But Samson, wow. You know, this was incredible. The, the amazing things he did with his strength. But did you notice in that story, as it unfolds, his strength really doesn't accomplish what God wants to accomplish until it's gone. And he places this woman in his life. I, I was going to comment for a little bit on this. The messenger of Satan, a thorn in the flesh. The message, of course, is the thorn. That's a, a, a typical phrase that you find in Scripture. Uh, the message from Satan, etc., is a typical phrase that you find in Scripture. And it doesn't necessarily mean Satan in person. But it certainly means the thought and ideas, the thorn is, is there And if something doesn't take place in relationship to whatever the weakness is that God has given Paul and that he has given us, it's certainly going to hamper his purpose. But if we understand it and begin to embrace it, he can work through it. And he does, of course, with a guy like Samson. Uh, We find (laughs) Jacob wrestling with God. I'm strong, I can go up against the Almighty. And he finds himself wrestling with God unawares. And you notice that he ends up with a permanent weakness from being close to God. Now that's kind of puzzling, isn't it? You think if you won the match, or got away with it, that God would bless all the things. And that's an errant message that's in the church today that says if you do it my way, that is, if you do it God's way, then you can have anything that you want. And of course, we don't want some kind of weakness. We want strength and power, something that will accomplish the goals that we've had in mind since maybe since we were little. 
What an interesting thought that God has given us. This whole idea of uh, how can we do this? There's the next slide that Kathy's going to put up for us. And it comes up uh, kind of one at a time. And Kathy will just plump them up there. Is weakness some kind of impediment in our life? And of course, I feel that way. And I'm sure you do from time to time. Is it uh, an impediment to God's unerring plan? Is our weakness going to get in the way of what God wants to do? The bad thought there is that I should step aside and let God's plan be underway. Let it go. God isn't saying that. He's saying, I want you right square in the middle, weakness and all. As a matter of fact, without the weakness, it's not going to happen. Is it a testimony to his lack of care in our lives? If God really loved me, if he really loved you, then I wouldn't have this problem. Whether it's financial or or physical or an emotional problem, anxiety, etc. If God really loved me, if he was a loving God, this kind of thing would not happen in my life. Why? Have a lot of people bought into that? It has. It's a very forceful argument, of course, because we can feel the pain. Pain gets your attention. Pain, C.S. Lewis has said, is God's megaphone to a deaf world. It certainly is. Boy, I, I sit up and take take notice of what's going on at that point in time. Um, maybe is it an impediment because it, it seems to be a failure of His promises. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then I begin to think of, well, now, what are the things that I can do? And we float back to kind of an arrogance, uh, to a a self-involvement, pride, uh, etc. If I can do all things through Christ, then, wow, that means I can't. And this is a passage, that's a passage, for instance, that's been misinterpreted. Uh, by some people in the in the church community, and it says, I, you can get up and walk. You can move. You can get up and move around. My friend Don Anderson uh, uh, broke his neck uh, doing a helicopter up at up at uh, Keystone a number of years ago. He's gone now, and he uh, was laying in in his bed, and he was in a coma for about uh, four or five days, and I. I he went down there and I, I read the Bible to him while I was in, in a coma because we'd heard that maybe, you know, maybe they can hear some stuff and that, that sort of thing. And one of his friends walked in and he said, stay right there, Bill. I don't mind if you're here. But uh, I'm thinking that uh, Don would be better off if he'd just die right now. It would be a good thing if he'd die. I, you know, the docs... Had, had said, there's, there's no hope that this guy's going to move, walk, anything again. And by the time he became conscious, etc., this guy came back in and he repeated it. Well, Don was conscious as well and said, Don, just give up and, and uh, die. And I was thinking at that point, huh, does he have a point there? You know, the euthanasia movement in the U.S. is like this. If you hurt too much, just give it up. Just quit emotional or physical, etc. And boy, when you're around that kind of pain, 
you can you can hear that point. You can hear it being said. And if it's you, you may feel that way yourself. But does God have a plan in the middle of all that? In the middle of your life, I think of a Johnny Erickson, uh, Tata, the gal who broke her neck when she was just a 15 or 16-year-old. I can't remember exact age. She dove into a pool and snapped her neck. And many people thought she should uh, be way better off if she died. She's lived an incredibly profitable-to-the-kingdom life. Even though from time to time, she goes through depression and anxiety and pain and hurt and all those kinds of things. She goes through those things. There's no doubt. She talks about it. But she also has accomplished amazing things for the kingdom. She didn't have a, you know, an educational background from some prestigious university. She didn't have a list of credentials behind her name. She couldn't even move. But God has used her more in her weakness than, and this is from her, than he ever could have used me without it. And Don Anderson, my friend, said exactly the same thing. Uh, the reality of, of Don uh, is that uh, I used to, Alicia and I and my four kids used to invade his house. And uh, we'd go down and, and uh, we, we went down, of course, to cheer him up. We knock on the door and we knock on the door and knock on the door. And finally he comes to the door, you know, he's got a big grin on his face and he's got five or six dogs in the house because he still raised dogs. They were big dogs. And uh, he would uh, back his wheelchair off. He had a sip and puff chair, the kind that he could operate just with his mouth, breathing in and out to steer it and make it go and all those kinds of things. And uh, we, we walk in his house and, and uh, he says, let's race. And he takes off. And so my kids are just following him around in his wheelchair through the house. And he's banging off walls. His walls all had deep scars in the, in the wall bird, etc., in the gypsum. Deep scars in the wallboard, and his dogs running along beside, bounding alongside him, you know, barking, and it was just, it was absolute chaos. And my kids were laughing and, and screaming and having the best time. So was Don, of course. And it turns out that everybody that came to visit him went away happy. I never, I never saw him in depression or sad. Doesn't mean that he didn't experience those times. But someone was working in him to envelop him in his pleasure. Some of you watched Chariots of Fire a long time ago, and you remember the star of that show said when, when he runs, he, he, can, he feels God's pleasure. And he had this characteristic run where he'd be running along and he'd throw his head back and he'd beat everybody. He was an Olympic athlete. And he ran really for God, not for medals. If you remember the story, he didn't chose not to run on the Sunday because he just didn't think he should. And yet, God continued to use him. He took risk after risk about personal fame. 
and didn't seek it. And that wasn't the goal. That wasn't the not yet for him. It was, how do I live now? What do I do? The how we do this is part two and three and four. So we're not going to touch on that today. The what is there for us this morning for us to figure out and begin to understand. Um, Perhaps we have uh, gaps in our theology. We just don't quite understand Scripture right. And this is where a lot of people like to tear pages out or change what the Bible says. They skip over a passage like this where Paul says, In my weakness, I'm strong. We skip over those kind of passages. Is there another one? Yeah. Uh, is it contradictory to a passage, he will fulfill all our needs? Well, isn't one of my needs not to have this? Maybe one of our needs is exactly to have this weakness. Rather than fighting it, embrace the one that can use it and move on through life with that. We're going to look at uh, several passages of Scripture, and we'll go through them very rapidly. Uh, go ahead and punch them up. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. He increases the power of the weak. That doesn't mean that he takes the weakness away. He increases the usability of the weakness. It's exactly what he does. Let's look at the next passage. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight, or I'm content, would be a better word. The NIV has delight. Uh, I, I'm content in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. What a perplexing statement, unless you put it in the context of a weakness being your usability. How God can move and work in your life. Let's look at the next passage. Watch and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, what part of us is the problem? And for me, of course, it's been a pulled muscle, a strained ligament there, a this, a that, you know, headaches, migraines, you know, whatever we have as human beings. God can use for His glory. Not only can, but will use. I mean, that's one of His promises, is that He will do this. Another passage, uh, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Here's the whole idea of, how do I build myself up? And oftentimes, it's at other people's expense. Rather than uh, working with weaknesses in others, we ask them to stand aside so that the healthy people can take over. It's only been in the last, uh, uh, you know, a couple decades that we've had handicap type ramps. You remember when it, when handicap? You could still say handicap. Uh, that's new. What did we do before that? seated them in the back somewhere so they wouldn't impede traffic flow and those kinds of things. We avoid at all expense, literally at all of our expense, we avoid other weaknesses in people. And we promote their strengths 
Now, I'm not saying their strengths are bad. They're God-given. He can use those as well, and does. But we're looking today at just weaknesses. Is there another slide, or is that it? There you go. Uh, but not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols. This is Paul uh, talking to a whole bunch of people, and, and they're afraid they're going to... Uh, lose their relationship with God if they're involved uh, with any kind of idol that is around, even if they're ignorant that it is an idol. And that's a, this is a passage that you could actually uh, spend two or three weeks on. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a God. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. Our conscience can, can be weak as well. And I think our conscience needs to be shaped by God's Word. The whole uh, exercise of right and wrong, what we can do, what we can't do, needs to be under God's tutelage and will. Uh, There's a passage that I want to read to you as well. or the thought of it, Hebrews chapter 4, we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Isn't that remarkable? That Jesus himself has experienced weakness. Matter of fact, he's the poster child for weakness, but in that weakness, being strong. And I want to close with this quote. The supreme example, of course, of Jesus Christ on the cross. In his weakness, God's strength is revealed. Here it is. It's remarkable that Paul could regard his affliction as given by God and yet be a messenger of Satan. This may support the view that affliction was some type of physical malady for recurrent or tormenting illness could be considered a message of Satan. Furthermore, a severe illness could bring Paul within the shadow of death. Or hinder the advance of the gospel. Be that as it may, behind all machinations of Satan, Paul discerned the overarching providence of a God who perpetually created good out of evil. Let me read that last phrase again. Be that as it may, behind all the machinations of Satan, whatever Satan can do, or has done, or is doing, Paul discerned the overarching providence of a God who perpetually created good out of evil. He doesn't make call evil good, mind you. But he can use everything in his realm and under his purveyance to work for his glory and his good and his will. Well, let me close with prayer. And... Uh, Then we'll take the offering as well and have the communion. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. It's amazing how you have built us for yourself. Uh, You've made us to actually rest and rest in you. We run around with all our strengths, pushing them, using them, thinking that they're the all and end all. But it's indeed your strength that needs to course through our life in the person of your Holy Spirit. And so we ask you, Lord, to do that as we 
consider who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.